Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, your trusted resource for the latest strategies, tactics, and tips on running a high-performance sales development program. Sales development has grown to become a critical part of the success of high-growth companies, and we dive in each week on how to specifically make your program successful and accelerate your career advancement. Subscribe at iTunes, YouTube, and jump on the newsletter over at 10pound.com to make sure you never miss an episode. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am very excited to dive into this topic. This is a hot topic right now for sales development professionals, and we have an expert to dive in. Rachel Haley is co-founder of Claris Designs. Rachel, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. And like I said, this is a hot topic in the sales development space, and I'm really excited to get your thoughts on this. Claris Designs really focuses on the operational aspect of the sales process, the handoffs, the back end, what we call the plumbing, you know, <laughs> if you will, of making exactly. sure everything's working correctly. So, you know, first and foremost, how did you get into this? And, you know, what are you focused on over at Claris Designs? Sure. So the way that my co-founder and I started Claris was really haphazard, as I explained it to people. We pretty much we fell into the consulting world as opposed to having a very intention-driven process, which I think most people have when they start companies. So we're a bit unique in that regard. Uh, about five years ago, a little over five years ago, he and I were both working at separate companies. I was at Salesforce and he was at a company called AdRoll. And we were both working on operational type problems in our full-time jobs, as well as learning additional operational type skill sets, whether it be setting up a business intelligence team, learning how to program, building applications on the force.com platform, understanding how sales teams work, how comp plans were built, et cetera. And we were helping out people in our network sort of after work hours, after our quote, full-time job hours. So what we did is we would share stories and he would tell me how he was helping someone in his network set up their database so they could run more efficient SQL queries and have a good foundation for a business intelligence team to really produce insights and analytics for the, the company overall. And I was telling him that I was helping people in my network figure out how to automatically route leads to different SDRs or BDRs within an organization because their marketing automation tool was not syncing correctly with Salesforce at the time. And leads were falling into the dark ether that sometimes they do. And then after a while, we realized that we should probably just start charging for these services because it was taking up so much of our free time. And that's how we started Claris Design. So it was really sort of, a, we fell into it. And then, you know, the company's grown over time. And our key focuses today are really helping sales and marketing teams scale. And what that means is we have sort of a three-pillar approach, the people, process, and technology, as you mentioned you know, a little bit in the introduction. We really want to make sure that the way the organization is designed is effectively matched to the company's goals, whether that's having an SDR team in-house or outsourced, having AEs handle the new business and the renewal, or potentially having a CS team handle that, making sure that your process is aligned as well, so the people in the process are set up correctly and efficiently, as well as the tools and systems that help automate those processes. So we do a lot of consulting work around making sure those three pillars 
are working well and working efficiently together. And another piece of our business is we have an outsourcing team. And that's something that we've really been able to grow more recently in the last year and a half. And that team is helping AEs and SDRs or BDRs offload a lot of that top of funnel, admin, tactical, operational work that no one loves to do in terms of keeping the data clean, prospecting, finding people to contact, ensuring the data is clean and all of that. We offload that to a team that we have out of the Philippines that we manage directly. And that allows SDRs, BDRs, and AEs and sales team to focus on higher value activities such as customizing email responses to prospects, setting up meetings, spending more time being customer facing, which is really the the element of their job. I love that. It's almost like there's all these problems and you backed into the problems to start instead of <laughs> creating something and then going to look for a problem that was like, there's a ton of problems that we can start solving immediately. Right. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that, that is exactly what happened. <laughs> there you go. Now you have a company. Okay. So now we see this every day. There's all these different tools. There's different processes started by different people that are coming in and out of the organization. So say someone's listening to this and they're going, okay, this is, we've got all these processes going, but it's not, it's not functional. It's not, you know, it's not helping to the extent that it could. Where should they start to think about, you know, streamlining all this and, you know, straightening out this mess that you see in a lot of companies? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a great question. The reason that I am smiling and laughing a little bit is because normally what I see when companies say that we have these processes that aren't effective or working to the extent that they should is because the high-level goal or mission of the company or that particular organization or that even particular team is not aligned with the process. So a lot of the times I see people when, when there's a, an issue or a, a problem that they need to tackle or a, a project that is on their to-do list. I oftentimes see that people go directly into solution mode. So before they've even aligned as an organization or as a team on what the problem is or what the goal is, I should say the objective, they start to figure out from a tactical level what should happen. For example, if you want SDRs to be responsible for generating 70%, which would be a high percentage of new business pipeline and your ASP is like $50,000 and you know you have to back into how many meetings they need, et cetera. But that is their goal. They need to generate 70% of the pipeline for any given quarter for new business. Then the solution and the process that you map out becomes a lot easier because you need to center that around enabling the SDRs to generate a majority of the new business pipeline for the organization. Oftentimes what I see is people will take a process and they'll start to look at it at a very tactical level and say, well, leads get routed to this person, then this person follows up, then we set a meeting, but then usually this is what happens and, and it gets, they get buried in the weeds and it's easy to spin and swirl and not really align that process and the overarching goal to what the overarching goal of the company is. So what I would tell people is to take a step back and actually not look at the process and start over with your executive team or your own internal team or whomever and really identify what is the problem we're start trying to solve and what is our objective. Where okay. Our objective is that, right, SDRs need to do X. How do we enable them to do X? Wow. Okay. So what you're saying is that they just get sort of bogged down 
in the complexity immediately. And it almost like, I mean, I'm just thinking it almost makes things worse, you know, because they start solving the wrong problem, basically. Yes, that is what I see time and time again, where they're trying to solve a problem that is either too complex or it's not even necessary. We don't even need to worry about that problem because it doesn't align to the goal. And do you think it's hard? I mean, I think people get sort of heads down in their own company and they go coming in every day. Now they're working at home, but you know, they're kind of trying to solve sort of the same problem over and over again. And they don't sort of see the forest for the trees after a while. They're just so heads down in the complexity. Yes. I see that often. And I think it takes a lot of mental tenacity and focus to really try to pull yourself away from that. Like maybe have a day where you don't have any meetings. And I know people's hearts are clenching in the audience thinking of that and not being able to be available. But if you force yourself to take a step back and really think about, okay, what are we trying to solve here? You will be able to see the forest through the trees, as you mentioned, but you have to kind of step out of that day-to-day rat race to kind of figure out what that is. Put your phone down, turn it off, go for a walk, you know, go out in the forest and think about things, you know, from a higher level. You know, the other thing is people are, I think, a little bit threatened. I think one of the values of a consultant, right, is because they're off, you know, working with all these different companies and they're seeing things from a higher level and they come in, but people are kind of scared to hire a consultant because it makes them feel like they don't know how to do their job. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. I think that there is that fear and potential stigma that comes along with it if you ask for help when you hire a consultant. Yeah. How do you get around that? Like, how do we pitch ourselves internally or how would I advise someone who is maybe struggling with that? Yeah. I mean, say it's like you're out there and you're like, God, you know, I'm so bogged down here in complexity. Like, I just need a breath of fresh air. And, you know, I'd like to bring up having a consultancy come in and help me with this, but I'm afraid that my boss might think I'm not doing a good job. Yeah, that's a great question. I think the way that I've always framed it when I've worked for companies internally is that having another person who specializes specifically in this problem, because in any role, especially if you're in a startup, you're not only doing that day-to-day job, but you're probably taking on other responsibilities and you have to maintain those. And so being able to really step back, like we were just mentioning, and focus on a problem more abstractly, your responsibilities may not allow for that. So it's not that you aren't capable and you aren't good at your job. Your job is very demanding and it requires you to manage the business day to day. And you're actually, it's actually a strength to know that you need to hire for something that you can't actually put your full attention towards, just as you would hire someone else on your team to do something so you can focus on other elements of your job. So you're really, you're outsourcing something or you're hiring for a particular task or ability to get a new perspective on something that someone really specializes in to allow you to continue to grow and scale the day-to-day of your of your team. 100%. I, I start to think, you don't want me changing the oil of your car. Like, that would be a nightmare. It's much better to bring in a consultant, you know, to, to do that so that we can focus yeah, exactly. on bigger picture things, right? Okay, mm-hmm. got it. Mm-hmm. And then the I want to dive in, but silos. What about, you know, we've got marketing in the traditional sense of how a place is organized. You've got marketing, you've got sales, 
you stick sales development in there somewhere. You know, there's all these different silos that are created at most companies. How do you think about, you know, the communication and making sure everybody's on the same page through your operations work? Yeah, I think that's a big element of what we help alleviate for companies is being that liaison between all of those different silos and departments. In fact, what I see happening now, which I think is a great thing and trend in the industry is you're starting to see the role of a revenue operations leader as opposed to a sales operations leader. So that RevOps leader actually would oversee the marketing, the SDR ops, the sales ops, the partner operations, and even post-sales like customer success, account management operations. So it's all under one leadership and purview. However, I mean, not all companies are set up that way, but I think for what we see and what we do day to day is establishing a cross-functional sort of a SWAT team or a tiger team that's always involved in any project with regard to revenue. It, you need Marketing needs a seat at the table. The SDR leader or sales development team needs a seat at the table. Sales, post-sales, partners, sales engineering, et cetera. And having that group there together and one person that can be a representative for the larger organization is key. So that when you have these meetings, everybody's voice is heard and you're not leaving a particular business leader's perspective out. I think that that is sometimes what happens in a very sales driven organization is marketing's perspective isn't included or customer success or sales development. It's just all focused around sales and not everyone is communicated effectively with. So having that sort of a forum almost where everyone comes together and they're in the loop on what is happening. And then it's their responsibility to, you know, correspond back with their larger team helps a lot, as well as overly communicating when you send out status updates or project plans, you make sure that everyone who's represented from those companies is on the email, so that it's full transparency and communication around what we're doing, what the goals are, what the timeline is, and making sure that everybody's perspective is represented. Right. And it's getting the tiger. I like that tiger team. It's like, I want to get a patch or something or a t-shirt. Getting the tiger yeah, team. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Getting them on the same page toward the goal that we're trying to accomplish. And so that you don't have this one silo sort of dominating it. It's like, we're all working on this together. Exactly. And and when, you know, RevOps, okay, so let's talk about RevOps. Like there, there was sales ops, and then there was marketing ops, and then there was other stuff. Now it's RevOps. And when should a company think about having a RevOps professional? Because it seems like it would make sense to just have that from the get-go, you know, and then you build the rest of the organization under that. I would agree with that perspective. I think that it's personally, and of course I'm biased, I don't think it's ever too early to hire a revenue operations or sales operations or just operations leader at a company. In fact, Uber, I believe, hired a sales operations team before they hired sales executives or account executives. So they had the process in place ready to go before the first sales rep walked in the door. I don't, wow. for, for part of their business line. Right. Yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily that's needs to be the standard everywhere. Yeah. That it was very interesting to hear that, but I think it's never too early. And I would also say you should hire the leader first. Oftentimes what I see companies do is it's a more reactive approach where they have a few sales reps and SDRs and they've generated, you know, maybe between 500 K and a million in revenue or even 5 million in recurring revenue 
and now they need a more dedicated full-time operations resource to help with a lot of that process, systems, people, et cetera, element. And they hire someone really junior to just handle that tactical work. And what happens is they become very reactive and more tactical in the solutions as opposed to forward-thinking and strategic. And then by the time you need to hire a, a leader in that function, you have a lot of that foundation that's solidified and you have to undo parts of that to really rebuild a good foundation that will allow the company to scale. So never 100%. too soon. And I would start with a leader. Well, it's almost like you need an architect at first. I mean, you're, it's like you're building a factory, a revenue factory. And it's like what I think, and it's probably the reason you started a company because a lot of companies, they just build the factory without any like architecture at the beginning. And then they're like, why isn't this working? Right? Exactly. Yeah. They didn't have a plan. They didn't have a plan in place. Okay. So now I want to talk about the outsource team, right? So there's all this stuff that SDRs and, and AEs are doing every day that it's almost like a lot of people are just researchers, right? They're just sitting there trying to find something to talk about with people so that they can reach out and, and stuff like that. So why did you add an outsourced component and what's the benefit of doing that? Definitely. We added an outsourced component because we saw a huge need at these companies. And we figured, you know, when we interviewed people, SDRs specifically, SDR leadership as well, but more specifically, these junior sales reps right out of college. And we asked them, like, how do you spend your day? And 95% of their day, they're just scouring LinkedIn, they're doing Google searches, they are full time researchers. And my thought was, why aren't you, aren't you the one that's supposed to be calling into accounts? Like you have a college degree or you just recently graduated or you have experience here. Your skills should be utilized talking to people and making that connection. Like this is sales. You know, you can do it from inside an office and over, over a conference call, but really you should be trying to get on the phone with people to really sell the value of the product. And that's much more effective than sending an email, obviously, if you can get a meeting. So I thought, well, I would ask, okay, well, if you could maybe spend half the time that you do researching, researching, and the other half talking to prospects, how much more in quota do you think that you could take on? Or would you be willing to take on in order to reduce your, your researching workload by half? And it was hands down easily twice as much, right? If they had to generate 10 SQ or five SQLs or SALs, however people define it, a month or like a qualified opportunity for an AE, you know, they would easily take on 10. And if it was, you know, $100,000 in pipeline, they would take on $200,000 in qualified pipeline. So it was a really easy conversation with sales leadership because we could say, hey, you're incurring this additional cost, but look at the ROI. Your, your SDRs are saying that they will willingly take on more quota to get this additional resource and they'll be happier and hopefully more efficient. So it'll pay for itself. But really, I felt like, gosh, these people should not be spending their time researching. You can have someone else do it that, you know, needs a job. There are people out, you know, in other countries that want to work are very capable of this. And there's, you know, supply there and there's a huge demand here. So it just, it was something that we saw a huge problem and a need that we could solve within this function. And so how do you set that up? Because it's, you know, one thing about the SDR process is that they do bring that context, you know, to the research. So they kind of know, all right, who I need to talk to and where I get their phone number and what's the, 
you know, the subtleties, like what are the two or three things that I should be looking for before I reach out? So how do you take that, that skill and then be able to like package the process and give it to somebody outside and so that they can supply the right information to the people that will then take it and run with it? Good point. I would say that for the first year, we really struggled with that customization and mimicking the SDR process. Now that we've been doing it for five years, I feel like we have it down, but every client that engages with us has a team lead and an account manager who are based out of the United States. And these people have come from the selling world or the sales operations world. So they have more experience with this type of research and they first interview the SDRs or the AEs and have them walk them through their process. We also record those calls. And then from there, we translate that into very tactical steps for the outsource team to handle. And then the account manager and the team lead are constantly managing and monitoring the quality and giving people real-time feedback when we see mistakes. So we've done a pretty decent job at mimicking what an SDR does day-to-day and trying to extract that context that they have and they approach these research questions with. Having the recorded video of it as well is good to help replay for our team members if they ever get confused and they want to really understand how these AEs think about it. Well, we try to extract that as much as we can during the onboarding part of the call and then translate that into step-by-step for for our team. It really, it must be hands-on because you're really looking for the quality, you know, the quality of the information that they're extracting and also the quantity. Like the quantity is not that big of a deal because you can just say, okay, they supplied, you know, 10 leads today that was all filled out and everything's great. But it's like the quality of that. It's not something that you can just get in a report. You have to go in and actually look at it, right? Right. That's correct. It is a very hands-on process. And there are more people involved than just a single outsource worker on the project. There's a you know team lead, like I mentioned, and an account manager that are constantly following up with the organization to ensure that the quality we're producing is there. They're getting value out of it and that our team is actually executing on what they have as an expectation. Yeah. The customers are going to tell you, right? (laughs) Exactly. Because if the data sucks, then they're just either going to tell you or they're never going to talk to you again, right? Well, right. And then also tracking ROI within their CRM directly. So if we source a contact for this particular company and then they get a, a meeting and then that turns into pipeline and ultimately a close one opportunity, we can oh. report on, you know, well, ha- yeah, that's what we set up for every, every nice. engagement because it is very hands-on, but we have that tracking in place. And the conversation then becomes very easy because saying, well, you generated a hundred thousand dollars in pipeline in qualified pipeline and you only spent $10,000. So it's, a very easy ROI to display. It's like, okay, well, what if you had twice the team size? Do you think we could generate $200,000 in, in qualified pipeline? So yeah, but having those tracking mechanisms in place. Yeah, they do. They do. It's nice when you have the, that data because there's no subjectivity in the conversation. It's just, this is how many SQLs you received from our team in the month of May. You know, like, and this is how much pipeline you have. So it's hard to argue it with that. Right. Yes. Right. Remember, data doesn't lie. this is amazing okay so what's next for you you know this economy who knows what's going on but how do you keep your customers happy and how do you keep growing the company right great question we constantly are thinking and 
exploring new opportunities and types of work that we can offload from the SDR organization or the sales organization as a whole. I think as companies expand and grow, their processes become more complex and need a more operational focus. So with each iteration, we try to take on different types of work, whether it's adding additional elements further on down the funnel. So we just used to do researching and prospecting. Then we started doing, you know, lightweight emailing and outreach. And maybe the next step is we'll do responding and we'll try to actually get the first meeting set up. So we're trying to continue to offload even more and more activities that the sales team handles throughout the funnel. Ideally, it'd be great if we could just serve them up a very highly qualified opportunity that was ready to close. I don't know if we'll ever get there, but we're trying to expand our our product offering within the outsourcing division, but we're also building a product. So a lot of the things that we do that are part of this customized approach and a a big hands-on element of our service, we've actually found a way to automate. So we're building a package that will actually, that's on salesforce.com for, to start that you can, you know, install within your CRM and it will actually help automate a lot of the tracking and customized processes that we do. So we're, we're looking to, to sell that in, in early 2021. Wow, that is really exciting. So now you don't have to be there at every moment. You can <laughs> hopefully have the computer do some of the work for you, right? That is the hope, right? And hopefully <laughs> it will help our customers scale more as well. Yeah, that's the main thing, right? Awesome. Well, that is really exciting. And and so how do we learn more about this and get in touch with you in case somebody wants to look into this? Oh, absolutely. If you go to our website, which is www.clarisdesigns.com, there's a contact us page and has all of our contact information there, the, the executive team, as well as a landing page where you can enter the problem that you're trying to solve and someone will get back to you within 24 hours. That's awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. Then I got a whole notebook here full of tips. I think it's been really valuable. So thanks for coming on the Sales Development Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.